Morning Church. Blessed Christmas to one and all. Thank you. The choir is very responsive today. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. A slight change in liturgy. Uh, I will preach here and then I'll go to the hall to preach. And so if I don't get to see you in person, let me wish you God's peace and grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, especially this Christmas in a very turbulent, a very challenging world that we're in, that the hope of Christ may be with you. At this juncture, I'm not sure whether there are any latecomers outside, but ushers, I think you can let them in. Otherwise, there's no juncture for them to come in. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's just honour Him with this time of listening to His Word. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts this Christmas, Lord, be pleasing to you. Lord, be exalted in the preaching of your word. Come, Holy Spirit, and open every heart to receive your living word for us. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's scripture text is taken from Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. What comes to your mind when you think of the word perfect? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. (laughs) Obviously, that's not true. Obviously, none of us can say we are perfect. You know, a few years ago, I watched a marriage proposal through Zoom. And so the the guy was about to propose to the girl, and he got together a few of us to watch it on Zoom. So he caught it on Zoom. As with all proposals, there has to be an element of surprise. And so the girl thought they were going to a friend's place. And when she got to the walkway leading to the flat, it was beautifully lit with lamps and lights, postcards by the side, and a ring to delight. Something that you can see on the screen now, if you could just put on for me. Yes, something like that. Yes, wow. At the end of the walkway, the guy knelt down and proposed to her, and guess what? She, she had to say yes, you know, after all that. Now, trust me, obviously there were areas where it could have been done better. I think it would have been better with an air-conditioned walkway. I think that more lights, some music, especially better visuals for us on Zoom, because half the time we were looking at bushes. But you know what? That, that well, marriage proposal was perfect. It was perfect because it accomplished the purpose of the proposal. And the purpose, if I may say, was not just to get the girl to say yes. This marriage proposal captured the journey of their relationship with the postcards, every story about their ups and downs, the valleys and the hills. It was more than just a romantic moment. Instead, it was a sincere expression of a willingness to commit with God for the journey ahead. And I had the privilege of conducting the wedding. Ah, yes. And they're still happily married. Perfect. Perfect? Well, actually not so for the first Christmas. The first Christmas... Mary got pregnant in what would have been scandalous circumstances in her days because she was only engaged to Joseph then. Remember the shepherds in the field, the shepherds that we love for every nativity scene? The shepherds in the field were witnesses to the angelic pronouncement. But in those days, no one really trusted shepherds. 
Shepherds were the least in Jewish society. They were shunned. They were discriminated. So why shepherds? Not very perfect. Then Joseph and Mary arrived at Bethlehem, and there was no room for them. And by the way, do you know why Silent Night is called Silent Night? Because this is what happened. Joseph forgot to make reservations. <laughs> Don't be mad, Joseph told Mary. I said I was sorry. I should have made reservations. Talk to me, Mary. Mary, Mary. <laughs> Silent treatment. That's why it's called Silent Night. And my friends, the king of kings was born and placed in a manger, which is a feeding trough, a feeding trough for animals. So you're right to say that the first Christmas was far from perfect. But this morning, let me offer another perspective on why Christmas was simply perfect. Christmas was perfect not because it was flawless, but because it served God's sovereign and beautiful purposes. Christmas was perfect for accomplishing what God intended. And Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 to 5, the scripture text we just read, tells us how it is perfect. Because it is perfect timing. Because it is perfect empathy. Because it is perfect love. The first perfection is in its timing of Christmas. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 declares, but in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, The Greek word for fullness here points to the idea of fulfillment and abundance. That means all that God wants to fulfill. The fullness of what He wants to accomplish with time. At the right time, at the set time, God sent His Son. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Micah had already prophesied that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5 verse 2 says, You, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, You who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And so my friends, in his time, God kept his word. And Jesus was born in a desperate time for the Jews. They suffered under the tyranny of the Romans, under the reign of an insecure and cruel King Herod. And such was the longing and the desperation for the Saviour. But my friends, this is the truth. Every Christmas we remember that it is proof that God keeps His word. Amen. The birth of Jesus fulfilled 48 specific Messianic prophecies. Wow, 48 prophecies. Not counting the many who are associated with the Messiah. We have a God who keeps His promises. We have a God who fulfills them in His time. This is our hope in His time. He makes all things beautiful. In his time, he sent his son. And in God's kairos time, his perfect purposes will be accomplished. Let's not take this for granted. Because this Christmas, you may be waiting for something. This Christmas, you may be wondering when. When is it your time? When is it going to happen, O oh God? Let me tell you the story of my mom, who's seated right there, by the way. My mom felt called to full-time ministry when she was 18 years old. But when she was 18, all the doors were closed to her then. And my mom wrestled with God and asked, why? Why? Why not? I wanted to go full-time, mom. But God told her to wait. 
And 30 years later, my friends, 30 years later, God finally opened the door for her to go to Singapore Bible College for theological studies. And my mom and my dad eventually became missionaries to East Asia. And as she looked back, my mom realized that she had to wait. And in these 30 years, she became a teacher. She met my dad. She married him. She gave birth and raised two sons. I'm one of them. (laughs) And who both responded to full-time ministry. God took 30 years to mold my mom, prepare her for the Kairos fulfillment of God's promise to her. And as I look back on my mom's life, I am grateful that in God's time, not her time, not my time, but in God's time, God has become faithful and God has remained faithful. Amen? Amen. This Christmas, are you hoping and are you waiting? Some of you are. And if you are, know that God reminds us every Christmas that His timing is perfect. And His timing will always serve God's beautiful purposes. And I know that many of us here, as we look at what's happening in the world, in the Middle East, in the wars, in Ukraine, in different parts of the world, we are resting with God's time. And we are wondering, God, when, when will you return? Jesus, when will you return? I tell you, my friends, Jesus promises that in His time, in the fullness of time, He will return and every tear and every fear will be wiped away, and every evildoer will be judged, and true justice will be restored. And one day, God will be with us, and we will be with Him in the new heaven and earth. This Christmas, wait for Him. Wait for the Lord. Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen declares, Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. This is how we can be strong. For those that wait upon the Lord, you will renew your strength. You will rise up on eagle's wings. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not fray. This is the promise of God. So this Christmas, what are you waiting for? Wait upon the Lord. Because your patience is your discipleship. Offer the Lord your patient hope this Christmas. You can trust that Jesus understands. Because the second perfection from Galatians chapter 4, is perfect empathy. The verse tells us, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman. Born of woman? That means Jesus was fully human. The phrase born of a woman was used three times in the book of Job and once in the book of Matthew to describe John the Baptist. Born of woman simply is an expression to highlight the humanity and the fragility of mankind. In the same way, Jesus, born of a woman, was truly human, having experienced physical birth in the same manner as human beings. And so every Christmas, we see the vulnerability of God. Born as a baby, vulnerable and fragile. God who pitches a tent for the sun, God who parts the heavens, should deign to come down and be vulnerable, born as a baby. I love to hold newborn babies, but there are not too many newborn babies to hold these days. And so recently, I have a chance to hold a newborn baby, two weeks old, of Pastor Ben. I visited him, two weeks, that's Cephas in my hand. And last year, I preached about Karis, who was born last year. So this year, Cephas, I wonder what next year will be like. Well, Pastor Ben must be in the prayer and praise, all wondering. And as I held Cephas in my hand, I could feel that vulnerability of that newborn child. And I imagine Mary holding baby Jesus. 
and wondering to herself, God, the Messiah, in her hands. Hebrews 2.17 tells us that Jesus was made like us, fully human in every way. That means that Jesus is able to empathize with what you are going through today. Jesus experienced hunger, fatigue, and grief when close friends like Lazarus passed on. Jesus experienced the pain of being betrayed by a disciple, deserted by the rest, and forsaken when he hung on the cross. Jesus identified with the poor, the outcast, and the sick through his compassion and the healing he gave. And so, my friends, as Jesus was with the least and the last, he is with us. He is Emmanuel in moments when we are breaking because of anxiety, when we are broken because of pain, or when we are brokenhearted because of grief. That's where he is. Right with us in the valley, right there in the wilderness, right there in the storm, he is truly Emmanuel. But my friends, there is something about the empathy of Jesus which is different from the human empathy of men. Because Jesus didn't just empathize with us through suffering, but Jesus triumphed through the suffering. Hebrews 2.18 tells us that because Jesus himself suffered when he was tried and tested, he is able to help those who are going through the same. And so here's the amazing truth. We have a good God. A good God because he's Emmanuel. He empathizes with us. But that doesn't mean much if he cannot do anything about what we are going through. But my friends, our God is both good and great. That means as he empathizes with us, he is great and mighty enough to grant us the strength we need to pull through a difficult season. He is great enough to offer that divine peace that only he can get. And he is great enough to grant us the hope we need in the worst of our times. And he is great enough to be the tower of refuge when we are crying in the night. This is our good and great God. And Christmas has shown that this great God didn't just reside in the heavenly realms. He came down to be like us, but to show us that he's more than able to provide for us. This Christmas, trust him. Trust him. What are you carrying with you this Christmas? More than just a Christmas gift. What are your fears, your struggles, your hopes, and your dreams? You can go to God and say, Lord, you understand what I'm going through, but more than that, you can bring me through. And I trust you. I come to you. And this Christmas, I find my rest in you. And finally, my friends, the perfection. Perfect love. When you love someone, you open up your heart. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. You know, there are songs that sing about love. And everyone is looking for that kind of love perhaps you see in Korean dramas. What then is true love? This, if I may suggest, is love. Jesus Christ, born under the law, that he may redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is a verse that expresses the divine sacrificial love of God. In the larger context of Galatians 3 and 4, Paul suggests that all of us are born under the law in one form or the other. Whether it is the law of Moses or what Paul says, the law of the elemental spirits, which means 
the spiritual principles of this world. And how true that is. Whether it is the law of Moses or the spiritual principles of this world, all of them tell us that in order to be spiritually right with God, to be forgiven of our sins, we have to earn that right. We have to perform to prove that we are good enough, to be worthy enough to be accepted and loved by God. And what the spiritual principles and the law does is that it places the weight of expectations to fulfill on us. That's why 1 Corinthians 15.56 tells us that the power of sin is the law. Why is the law the power of sin? Because the law condemns us when we cannot keep it. And the truth is that no matter how we hard we try to keep, we keep failing, right? The law tells us don't covet, don't be in lust, be patient, be loving. So we try, but we fail again and again. And we find ourselves helpless and hopeless. We find ourselves under the power of sin. And the law shows us how much of a slave to sin we are. In fact, the law points us to the utter need for a saviour. And Jesus now comes. Jesus now comes. He's born under the law. That means he understands how the law works. But he is not bound by the law. In fact, the word of God tells us that Jesus fulfills the law. What does that mean? That means that all that the law requires, Jesus has now taken it upon himself. He is that fulfillment. And so this is our righteousness, my friends. Our righteousness, our right relationship with God is no longer by the law, but through Jesus Christ. We are made righteous through what Christ has done. And Jesus has paid a costly price because he redeemed us. Slaves, in order to be set free, are to be redeemed when you buy their freedom. That means you have to pay a price. Jesus loved you and I by paying a costly price through a painful death, a painful death on the cross, the worst form of torture and death in the time of Jesus. Jesus has come on that first Christmas so as to pay the cost of our sin that has kept up slaves so that now we can be redeemed to be adopted as sons and daughters of God. From redemption to adoption, what a beautiful gift. Paul uses the language of adoption. Adoption in the Roman world in those days would legally and officially bring someone into a Roman household. Do you know that adopted children had the same legal status as biological children? This is a rare fact. Though this was permitted, it was extremely unusual and rare in the times of the Roman world to adopt a child. But my friends, adoption is ultimately about inheritance. Sons inherit, slaves don't. And sons and daughters not only have access to inheritance, they now have access to the household. That means they are brought into a meaningful relationship with the community of the household. And so my friends, this is indeed perfect love because it is a costly, sacrificial love that accomplishes its purpose. The purpose of redeeming us from slavery to sonship. What if God tells us, because you are children who are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son who was into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And we now experience the power of that spiritual communion with God, the Father, through his spirit. And so we can call God Abba. And here's the amazing truth. Do you know that Hebrews 2.11 declares that Jesus, who made us right with God, 
and we who are made right, we are of the same family. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. What a privilege. And today you can experience the deep presence of God because Jesus is your brother and God, our Heavenly Father. We're no longer bound under the power of sin because of the law. Instead, we are now free to partake of the inheritance of God's spiritual blessings right now. Where we are made righteous, where we are secure in God's steadfast love instead of the affirmation of men. Where we don't have to earn, and you know, this love or approval by God. We can't earn it by His grace. We are deeply loved by God. But this spiritual inheritance is the blessing of His presence and strength with us. Our peace in our darkest storms. When we find the strength to love the unlovable, to care for the least and the last. Where we have the joy to serve others and the courage to share the good news in this broken world. My friends, that is your inheritance. That is your inheritance. And our adoption means that there is no reason to go back to a life of slavery. And so Paul tells the Galatians, don't go back to slavery to the law, but continue your faith in Jesus Christ. This Christmas, let this be your gift. Receive the gift of this perfect love. This purpose is to set you free. This Christmas, many of us are slaves. Slaves to the expectations, bondage to the fear of men. Fear that we are not enough. Not good enough. Not holy enough. Not providing enough. Just not enough. 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love casts out fear. And today, let me invite you to receive this perfect love of God by receiving Jesus again into your heart. And many of us say, I've been a Christian for many years. Yes, but every Christmas, I receive this gift. Because I can stand aside, I can do nothing about this gift, but today, let Christmas not pass you by. Let it happen in your heart. Let you go to Christ and say, Lord, I need you. I need you as that gift to set me free from bondage, to set me free to walk in the inheritance that you have for me. That's it's the true meaning of Christmas. And so this Christmas, my friends, would you wait for the Lord because his timing is perfect? Would you trust the Lord because he understands what you're going through? He's able to see you through. And would you receive the Lord anew? Let his perfect love cast out fear and lead you into a deeper encounter of his blessings he intends for you. How will you respond this Christmas? Will you join me in prayer? Let's pray. Lord, in the quietness of the sanctuary, let Christmas happen in our hearts. Let Christmas happen in my heart. Today, my friend, are you waiting for something to happen? Are you longing and hoping? Will you wait for the Lord? Will you trust His perfect timing? Because our God is faithful to keep His word. Perhaps you have never invited Jesus into your heart. And today you recognize that you need this perfect love of God. Today you are bound by fear, by expectations, 
the need to perform to earn your righteousness. Today you can be a son and daughter of God. Today you can put your trust in Jesus. You can simply invite him to save you from your sin and to be the one you will follow henceforth. And for all of us here, let's quietly go to God and say this prayer. Jesus, I need you. This Christmas, I renew my trust in you. Thank you for being that gift of life that I need. Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. Come and do a surprising work in my life. Renew me and set me free so that I may always seek you and glorify you as I serve and love others, especially those in need. Here's my heart, my offering of worship to you this Christmas. Hear our prayers, O Lord, as we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friends, if you have prayed a prayer to invite Jesus into your heart for the very first time, can I invite you to drop us a note at our web page at westdmc.org slash connect so we can be in touch with you. Or you can tell the person who came with you to this service or invited you to view this service online. If you wish to find out more about Jesus, you can actually join us at our welcome corner just outside the sanctuary. And we have a very special, wonderfully prepared materials for you. It's called a Yes Kit for you to get started on your journey. Or you can join our Alpha course, which is happening at the start of next year. And today, if you have prayer needs and you wish for us to pray for you, drop us a note at westdmc.org slash prayer needs and we will reach out and keep you in prayer. Bless the Christmas, everyone. And let's prepare our hearts now to respond to the Lord.